Welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode two. 132. And I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And Bill, you've been, your dad is uh, recovering yeah, from yeah. stroke. Thank you for your thoughts and prayers. So it's an uphill it's an uphill climb, but he's working at it. So yeah, I'm on the road a lot lately. So thank you for your thoughts and prayers. Many of you have sent my way. Yeah. Wow. Today, um, Aretha Franklin died. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, she was down to like eighty-seven yeah, pounds. Yeah, pancreatic, so, pancreatic so cancer. Tragic. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's uh, we had a really sainted guy in our congregation. Uh, one of my former congregations get it. He he looked like at the end he looked like Saint Francis in ecstasy. One of those paintings where he's just skin and bones. It's a it's a nasty kind of cancer. Actually, my uncle's fighting it right now. But uh, I think arguably the greatest singer across genres of certainly. Our time, my time. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, if she would be in the conversation, it's hard hard to think of someone who would be better than her. When you say arguably, I feel like that diminishes because one could argue anything. I know, but I want to say, I mean, I'm not a music critic. I think that, you know, what, what, who is the greatest singer? That's never stopped you before. <laughs> never. <laughs> I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be more modified and more, I'm trying to be more fair and even handed and. Not so quick to judge, but to... Who was the economist? He to really wrote, to see the good in all things. He wrote Capitalism, Socialism, and Democracy or something. It's in the 50s. By the way, I'll get over this soon. I like, I like <laughs> this stage I'm in. He said that he set out to be three things. The world's greatest economist, the world's greatest lover, and the world's greatest horseman. And he said, the horseman thing's not going so well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like he, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I yeah reason for so it's uh, yes, Mitch. I I actually um, really interesting editorial. Uh, I guess it was kind of an editorial, kind of a a, a tributorial that was on the opinion op-ed of the New York Times about kind of the spirit, heaven and earth. It's called, I think it's called Aretha Franklin, heaven and earth, and the spirituality and the physicality of of her music. So very very uh, um, acquiring. I'm to sound. I'm going to sound something. I'm going to say something. So uh, I don't know what the, what the word is beyond quaint, but. I never talk this way, but the Heaven's Choir just got better. So, yeah. Can you imagine that? Her singing lead, Prince playing guitar, and Bach all keyboards. You think Ozzy Osbourne has a <laughs> are, uh, there, are there rats? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't make the lineup in hell. <laughs> he's not that That's good. That's true. He's not that's, that good. That's true. <laughs> I mean, he's all right. He's uh, all right. No, he's all right. He's fun. But, uh, yeah, no. I love that he got kicked out of, of Black Sabbath. Like... When Black Sabbath says, "Hey, we think you have a substance abuse problem," <laughs> you're really scared. You re- you know that you've gone too far. Like you really have to take well, stock. And- I can't remember what what band was it when they were on tour of them saying, "Yeah, they were too much for us." <laughs> I can't remember who that. One. I mean, the guy, the drummer. I remember this documentary. He was like, "When I drink, when I use, I mean, I go to hospital. I don't remember recording Heaven and Hell. That's not a one night blackout." That's like six months off the hard drive. <laughs> yeah, like, no, oh, I play no, the album. I no. have, I, I have no. Oh, we're having trouble hearing Bill. Let me turn you Um, David Norling from are California. my are my lines not working right here? Is that better? 
give us feedback. Um, no, but I think, you know, again, just what a powerful, such a powerful singer. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there are songs, you know, that uh, other people wrote them, but when she sang them, they were hers. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so rest in peace. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting cultural moment. Uh, and, I, and I'm not even going to mention Omarosa. I, I just did. But uh, uh, Madonna turns— Big disappointment on, the, on yeah. the video drop today. Madonna turns 60 this week. So, and boy, does she look good for 60. She does. She's held together well. You know, I mean, she—I mean, we talk about Aretha Franklin being the greatest singer of our time. I mean, Madonna was never the greatest singer of any given week or day. But, uh, but I think her— empowerment you know taking control of her career i mean i think people like taylor swift beyonce owe a lot to her um arguably two people that are better musicians than her but um nobody manages their brand better than taylor she did. swift taylor swift well but but who came before her i think madonna was the paved the way for that and she certainly not cindy lauper although I like, <laughs> although i like cindy lauper that's not a dig against that's where you went you went from Taylor Swift, Madonna, that's, that's the first place you went, Cindy Lauper. You know what's interesting, though? I find wow. like, we have, like, I mean, Taylor Swift is pretty big, but you, it's not like. I can't stand her. People like, I, I like Taylor Swift, actually, but you have people like Elvis or Aretha Franklin that had such cross appeal. Right. That were huge stars. And I feel like because we're so segmented, everything is so demographically niche mm-hmm. and everything, that it's hard to have those kind of. Like I think, like Lady Gaga is amazingly talented. Oh, but, she's extremely I mean, talented. But you know, it's just one of those things where everything is so. And she started off in a kind of niche. I know she's broken out of it. I mean, she does. For goodness' sake, she does stuff with Tony Bennett. Like I mean, right? No, but it is. She's it about is, to star in a remake of A Star Is Born. Yeah, she's very talented. She is very. She is very talented. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you periodically you have like I think there's country singers. There's this kind of middle ground. It doesn't sound like country anymore, but they call it country. It's kind of country pop. I mean, Taylor Swift just kind of moved over from country without even recognizing it. But yeah, someone like maybe Beyonce has some has crossover appeal. Um, but no, I think Aretha Franklin. It's a unique time. But I mean, it was was interesting. You know, when I was really listening to music, she was not. She had, she had kind of faded. I mean, when I might the early years, I was listening to music. But then she showed up on the Blues Brothers movie, and oh yeah, and we yeah. all suddenly said, "Oh my gosh, she's amazing." Uh, which, by the way, the, the guy in that scene with Reeve Franklin, the saxophone player, if it's dancing on the uh, dancing on the bar, he was with James Taylor a couple weeks ago. He was a saxophone player. So, well, there we go. There we go. But um, yeah, so tribute to Aretha Franklin, uh, uh, and uh, it's a nice, you know, it's a sad passing, but it's a nice remember- remembrance of something really positive in American culture. And another really positive thing, the who's the guy on the the Associated Press White House guy. He's got like red hair. I keep forgetting his name. Young guy. Anyway, he he describing Amorosa's tape drop moves used the new adjective. It's it was Avenatti esque <laughs> in her use of media. So I, I like that Avenatti esque is uh, and people apparently really like him in Iowa. So uh, that's your man. That's your candidate. Sure. So that's Scott Scott Jones, the Pennsylvania Avenatti campaign chair. I mean, there's something I love about it in the pro wrestler sort of psychodrama, <laughs> but like it is sad that like that the Democrats are going to be like, we want our bread and circus. 
yeah, red circus. Like we and our kind of. No, we we don't. I mean, but that that <laughs> is, but don't you think though that that this is the problem of let's well, relate to our topic a minute. But this is the problem with norm changing. The you know uh, they like to hear hear us talk about black Klansmen and sorry to bother you. Yeah, we should see black Klansmen. I'm gonna see. That. I do want to see that. Absolutely. I heard the movie. The film is supposed to be awesome. I want to see that. Yeah, very much so. Uh, it reminds. I mean, you remember the comedy skit from Chappelle? It <laughs> 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 said, so "Why do you have a black man?" That he, what they they didn't know he's black. They found out he's black. Well, he's blind. He doesn't know he's black. And they said, "Why do you keep him on?" And Congress, we, we didn't have the heart to break. He's so good. At he, it. He, he has, he's so he's too important to the movement. <laughs> but this is serious, based on based on a real thing. I've just seen the I've seen the uh, the clip where where the everybody just the looks on his fellow officers faces as he's talking on the phone to david duke is, is that makes me want to go see the movie alone so. i like it so maybe i'll go see that in chambersburg <laughs> i could maybe find some clansmen to go to the, with me to the movie to see that uh, well south central pennsylvania is not a there's no scarcity of hate groups well there's no scarcity of hate Groups around us either. So, matter of fact, they, they kind of they're all over. The I, place. I would say southeastern PA though is slightly lower than South Central. Yeah, so you I, get beat up more. <laughs> it's southeastern PA. Nah, they're probably people I went to high school with. They give me a pass. So some of them, anyway. But anyway, no, I'm saying yeah, but I'm saying if you're involved in a hate group, you probably get beat up more. Yeah, and I don't know that they. Yeah, I think they're. It's. Uh, yeah, I think definitely if I go back to more of my where I came from before Pennsylvania, I think I could probably find a few more as well. So Absolutely. Anyway, but yeah, we'll go see that and we will give there's a couple of things that are interesting coming out, so I will go see that. Yeah, so uh, hopefully Avenatti esque will be continued. To. Yeah, we we do need to get an Avenatti for president signed back here. I, I mean, I I'm fascinated by the again, I would just like to see him in the debates. Yeah, I I don't really want to but uh for you i it gives yeah, you i mean you would it gives you so much pleasure and such joy you i want think it for it would you. be interesting to oh it'd be interesting sure donald trump in the republican debates was interesting and look how that turned out this is true <laughs> but then also you know without an audio okay the bankruptcy or whatever this or that like yeah. well the trump has started that you know well i'm not showing any i'm not talking about that like you know you just oh, there's a there's a there's a template yeah, you remember the Seinfeld episode where yada yada yada, yeah, yeah. yada yada yada. I, did, I I shoplifted or yada yada yada. So you could just now it's like Trump has made the political yada yada yada. You just yada 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 your tax returns, your business records, everything. Yeah, there we so. go. There we go. It's it's a, it's a strategy. So Bill, I want to tell you something. By the way, I so it's interesting what I posted in Resident Exile will come up later, but. I was thinking about this. Like I, I post. Like I don't. I should post just like our phone conversations in the resident discussion <laughs> groups. I feel like I, 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 some of my best stuff is just only shared with you. Yeah, no, I do. We we have some. We have some uh, very interesting, profound conversations. And I, again, as we've said before, if you, those of you who may be new to the show, Scott doesn't say hello. He just starts right no, in. No, no salutation. No, just right in, right into whatever he's thinking. So, uh, yep. So there's a study recently which has shown that it's – that basically – this is from the Daily Mail. Although I, 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 there's actually – you can actually read. There's links to the actual study. But there's this academic study where they did stuff with satellites and looking at satellite overlays and stuff. And they found – I think it was done in Denmark – that how the Romans shape – how the, the Roman roads – they studied like Europe, North Africa, and I think the Middle East – and it's remarkable how economic traffic today and sources of commerce 
fall along the Roman road structure. So mm. especially yeah. in Europe, it's it's less in North Africa and the Middle East because of where camels and caravans start right. becoming more active, and so that the roads are it's less conducive right. back then to right. to productivity and the infrastructure just was not ideal for certain parts of North Africa right. and the Middle right. East, but. But the parts that it was conducive to, you see it there too, and you see it all over Europe. That you can you can actually see it because the Roman roads were so well, but you can actually still see them from satellite, right? Pictures right. and stuff. So, and there are parts I think in England where you can still drive on them. I think, yeah, I've been, I've seen them, I've been on them, I've walked on them. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. So this is a lesson that the Chinese seem to understand that infrastructure matters, right? <laughs> and we apparently don't understand in this now, country. Now, we had, the last time we understood was during Dwight David Eisenhower's administration. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And I think that was the last time we really, really, in terms of percentage of gross national emphasis, that was the last time we really did anything. Eisenhower, that. who, the, Eisenhower the socialist, dude, the top, the top <laughs> marginal tax rate was 89%. Yeah, yeah. And we built the... Interstate highway system and the middle class. I mean, GI Bill and others. right, yeah. I mean, we people were educated. That's what the explosion of college education was directly related to. All that, yeah. So, but uh, we don't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. We don't. We don't want to. We don't want to make America great that way anymore. No, that's silly. That's naive. <laughs> but it is interesting, though. Like you look at modern other airports in other countries and just infrastructure and tra- like it. it you know, it's amazing. You think about the lasting in, in, impact of infrastructure that was made millennia ago. Well, there was it, but that was there was actually that was a one world kind of approach to things. I mean, the the there was at the height of the Roman Empire. I guess that's the height of the boundaries of the Roman Empire was during Hadrian's rule in the middle of the second century of the Common Era. Uh, you know, the entire Mediterranean circle was the Roman Empire. Um, they got as far as they got into. Uh, Got into uh, Persia, and then I think you know they got as, as close. They, they always try to keep you know the the uh, the Germans on one side of the Rhine, <laughs> the Germanic tribes. But if you look at a map of that, that uh, there was that was you know uh, if you take away China, uh, the majority of the world's population was was under was under Roman rule. That's because they didn't have President Xi. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the the interesting thing too was there was a sense where. And those trade routes were kept active when the uh, various uh, caliphates of the um, of the Islamic kingdoms and their different rules. I mean, they kept those you know North Africa and those kept going. And then, and when the you know Europe, the Renaissances that began, the first one probably the 12th century, they you know incorporated the uh, that that uh, that structure. You know, what's really interesting now. Within a couple hundred years of the fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, like people in Western Europe would look at the aqueducts and look at the roads, but they didn't have, they didn't remember the technology. They couldn't do it anymore. Well, I'll tell you, we should study the plans for the zombie apocalypse. Because... <laughs> but is that, I mean, that's kind of, we think that we have this sense of, of, of forward progress and that, or we're remaking things every generation, but this is obviously, there are patterns that are set that, uh, that go on well beyond from generation to generation. And also, there is collective memory loss of of civilization. We know it's happened a couple of times. Happened. In how this. much do you think daily in this country? How much collective memory and civilization do you think we lose per day? <laughs> we, we should have a, we should have the doomsday clock in, inverted. You know, keep yeah. going, keep yeah. going down. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot. I mean, there was an interesting article recently. I, I reprinted, I think, on the Resident Exile site uh, Facebook page about 
the lack the lack of history we can have there's a direct correlation to the fact that history is taught poorly and some of the things that are going on in our society right now. Well, I I don't dispute that. Yeah. So what what's the implications here other than um, you you uh, other than when I drive around Bucks County, the roads here suck. <laughs> well, and the other thing too is if I were running for mayor, all I would run on is potholes and snow removal. Yeah, I mean. I, I do think the fact is – I don't care who's for increased funding in the library or decreasing funding in the library. If there's snow in your driveway, you can't get to the library. <laughs> That's right. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine or while you're exercising or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it? because of the conversations you find here. If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you. To be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Sari Graham, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Blythe, David Norling, Charlotte Donlin, Barry Stewart. Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Crest, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Jennifer Underwood, Kai Whitpenig, Simone Garabedian, Jim Kirk, Samantha Konauer, and Jordan DeMays. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. Well, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, the tax cuts, there's nothing, nothing is happening with a deficit raising as it is astronomically. You know, in, the, in among industrialized nations, like the top 40, we're 38th in tax revenue. And so there's this article in The Atlantic or something, it's written by a Canadian. He's like, look, I'm not saying Canada doesn't have problems, we do, but he's, one of the things, when we need infrastructure, we have the money to do it. And, and the United States, for our wealth, it has such a low tax base relative to our right. wealth that this right. is why things are it's interesting too countries in western europe their greater government services and the taxes are flatter like yeah. i mean they're progressive but working class people pay more taxes but they get a lot more services right. so right. here we pay very little taxes we exempt you if you're under a certain thing federally and then we and then we exempt rich people too and Different ways. I mean, through through loopholes and things. well, you know, and I'm I'm just facing my my parents never made a lot of money, but they were very frugal on saving. But uh, you know, the kind of healthcare cost and uh, the options facing them over the next years are are very daunting and and depressing. And you and people who worked hard and paid their taxes all their life should have better options that that won't tell that that could possibly. I mean. You know, it's conceivable the money that they worked very hard to save and were very prudent. Um, that might it might not cover the bill. Yeah, so and that's it. And that's you know, and, and they're in better shape. Uh, you know, if the statistics are right, they're they're in better shape than eighty percent of America when it comes to savings. 
So when the zombie apocalypse hits, it might not be that bad. <laughs> it might, <laughs> might thin out the herd. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, we're inducing a kind of a zombie apocalypse by, by fa- the failure just to take, just the lack of common sense. That's the thing. It's kind of, uh, you were mentioned, we talked to one of our uh, phone calls about, uh, you know, Adam Smith, what, what Adam Smith actually, his view of capitalism uh, and the idea of responsibility that's involved with. Oh, the, gosh. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, yeah. Uh, and matter of fact, well, ironically, if you read Adam Smith out loud, people would call him a socialist in some circles. <laughs> one of my listeners for that you know, give and take interview sent, sent that guy who wrote that book, Redeeming Capitalism, and said, I sent it to my conservative friends. He said, hey, guys, if you don't want this country to go socialist, you better start redeeming capitalism, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, no, no. But, uh, yeah, it's just a kind of social Darwinism now. And, um, you know, it's funny the thing. I was just listening to, uh, to uh, uh, philosophize this on Michael Foucault. I was brushing up on Ah, yeah, Foucault. I haven't listened to that one yet. I yeah, listened to it before that. The one on logical positivism was awesome. Yeah, I, I listened to that one. But uh, – not it's not a bad reminder of where we're at right now, you know, in terms of uh, it's it's funny. Um, uh, Trump is both the Trump's the worst of both modernity and postmodernity at the same time. If you stop and think about some of the kind of the what the, about pre-modernity? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Foucault thinks it's just you, those are our two options. We got to go. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, would they think he was shitty in pre-modernity? Too? Like, <laughs> what culture would he be out, upstanding? I think in the decline of the Persian Empire, maybe. Yeah, yeah. When not when the not during the good Persian Empire. <laughs> yeah, not like you know, not the early ones. But I think he could have been. Yeah, Adzarkis. He he would have he would have fit in in the decline of the Persian Empire. All right, all right, yeah. fair. Yeah, that, that's the first one. Okay, one one other time, I guess. Who was it? Uh, Jeff, guy just retired from UVA. Our uh, our friend, who uh, professor we did the Virginia thing with. Uh, he was down to Virginia. You know, when they in Charlottesville. Oh, 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 oh. Jeff. Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Pugh. Yeah, Jeff Pugh. He and I were going back and forth Facebook. He, was, he called, uh, he called uh, Trump the new Caligula. And I said, more commodious. <laughs> I think he's more commodious. Yeah. Because we kind of, we, he follows the philosopher empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. So, but hopefully the end, the end will be the same. <laughs> Is that wrong? Didn't commodious fight in the uh yeah he used to yeah he used to fight in it. yeah he was, maybe it was we, reality he was a reality star maybe star. we could put him in there with Dwayne the rock johnson John. by the way uh the commodity for those of you get your history through uh uh film uh the uh, gla- gladiator yeah the gla- that's not how it is that's not how he yeah answered. yeah yeah his, it's he, a little different the secret service stabs him yeah it's good i mean that's, that's what happened well the, yeah patrolian guards even secret service same thing i'm not making i'm not i'm not implying anything no. No. So don't necessarily infer it. Infer what you will. By the way, did you lose your security clearance? No. Uh, I, I did mine, but it's all right. Do you know one? I, I did there are over a million people. Four with million. Four, four million, million people. That's with, more than, that. was that? Like, that's that's like one in 50 people or something. One in 75 people. I, but, you know, I downloaded everything I need on Zip Drive. <laughs> Zip Drive, yeah. Yeah. So well, I'll just be leaking. It's in the cloud. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just be leaking it out periodically. It's all in the cloud. Just the stuff I need. Yeah, that yeah, that's intriguing. How many people have the clearance? Does it really? Is it really that special? If it's not, I still well, I, I would hope. To, I would hope that 
the former... If you can see the pee-pee tape, it's special. <laughs> I would have to see IA director's clearance is a little higher than Amorosa's. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amorosa. Wow, Amorosa. I'm, I'm thinking Amorosa roles, which are fine. It's a fine role here in Philadelphia. Yeah, it is a fine yeah. role. Oh. So I posted this in Resident Exile uh, in the discussion group, and this is from Schleiermacher's brief outline of theology. And I was thinking about infrastructure and traditions, and he says... Every dogmatic theologian who either innovates or cries up what is old in a one-sided manner is but an imperfect organ of the church. Hmm. And if occupying a falsely heterodox standpoint, he will declare even the most strict proper orthodoxy to be false. And if a falsely orthodox standpoint, he will combat even the mildest and most inevitable heterodoxy as a destructive innovation. So he's saying kind of that you have, you have this sort of preservationist impulse and what he calls a sort of mobilizing impulse in the church, and both are important. You know, so which I think is very interesting. He's very balanced on this, and I think that that's you know, he, he, uh, there's another. Uh, it's very interesting. Where's this? I was looking for another thing which I was reading. He says that every element of doctrine that is constructed in the spirit of a desire to hold fast that which is already matter of general acknowledgement, along with the natural inferences therefrom, is of an orthodox character. Every element constructed with a tendency to keep the system of doctrine in a state of mobility and to make room for other modes of apprehension is heterodox. Both classes of elements are alike important as in relation to the historical progress of Christianity in general, so in relation to every important momentum as such. A little Hegelian kind of, the synthesis is what... The iron sharpening iron there a little bit? Yeah. Although for Hegel, it's interesting that there's not really, the synthesis is really just only new conflicts. Right, there's always right. this kind yeah, of, but, but I meant to say, but yeah, this is that dialectical tension. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, this, that basically, you, and, and Schleiermacher has a lot of commentary on this, that you, that these impulses are important. And so it's, you know, I'm thinking about infrastructure and tradition and, and, and like sort of philosophical and intellectual inf infrastructure, which I think is the real danger of where we are you know, politically in our political culture is that we, you don't, you don't appreciate norms until they're gone. Right. right you can't right, proceduralize no. everything. And you can't, as, as the overused metaphor, you can't put the toothpaste back in a tube frequently. I'd like to try that. All right. We'll try. We will. Do. What instrument would you even use though? We'll get, uh, we'll get our lab working on that. I was trying to think. How our R and D department. I don't even know what you'd use. I don't know. There's a good if you. Have, it's it's an analogy that holds. It holds. <laughs> I mean, this is why it's, this is why people use the analogy because it's so good. But if any of you actually are, YouTube it. If you do, if you're actually trying to, if you get the toothpaste back in the tube, uh, make sure there's a, a a record of it. Yeah, send it. Yeah. Send us. We will. We will. We will promote that. We would like to see. It. But yeah, so I think that that's important. That it's interesting too that people that are innovators, successful innovators are generally have mastered the tradition. So like you look at Picasso, he didn't start doing abstract right. stuff. He mastered the tradition. People, That's why I like his early stuff. <laughs> right. you, you look at somebody like Nietzsche, he didn't become an no. iconoclast overnight. I mean, he was, he, he was, he, he mastered a lot that came before him. And, and, and generally I think people that are innovators are innovators because they, they know the tradition well and then see its limits or somebody like right. Aquinas, you know, confronted with Aristotle understands what's Both. on the horizon yeah. and, and and the limits of what he's working with and how to sort of integrate those. And I think, so that's, yeah. it's not that innovation is important, but innovation that, that comes from a sort of ignorance of the tradition or glossing over it will, will just tend to not be deep innovation. It'll tend to be trendy novel. 
yeah. in the in the in the worst sense. I, I think yeah that that the demise of historical theological teaching in seminary levels I think really bears witness to that. Um, I, I think because if you don't know where you know the, if you've never taken if you don't really get grounded in history of the tradition, then you're not really you're you're even reacting. Uh, you're acting in a vacuum. Absolutely, yeah. I had a dream that I like failed uh, a historical theology class the other night. Was I teaching it? No, I think Andrew Purvis from Pastor's uh. teaching. I was running around <laughs> looking for notes. I didn't do my work. I was like a terrible student in this. In this I, you know, yeah, those the, I have those you know those dreams. They just take on different forms, right? The, the, we had them. In, we had them in high school. We have them in college. Yeah, right? it just keeps going. It, it just, just keeps, keeps going. going. Yeah, I have variations on that. Sometimes it's in a classroom. Sometimes it's in church. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking of innovations that are by Schleiermacher's definition. I said this to you, by the way, when you came in, I was like, if I was doing a theological exams again, like an ecclesial exam, I would want Schleiermacher examining me because I think he would be outstanding at that. But, mm. but it's thinking of, for instance, the suffering of God, right? That mm. is an innovation, a modern innovation. Mm. It's still being debated. I mean, there are still right. very smart people that argue against what's called patroposianism. Does mm. the father suffer? Now there's a kind of, heretical very heretical view that the idea that you know the father and the son are really just the same and right modalism right kind of modalist but but the idea that the more orthodox formulation which some would still say is is heresy oh that is something you'd find in bard and moltmann and bonhoeffer and Catherine lacuna and other people that that actually the father suffers in his own way while the son's on the cross that that the father's or as tom torrance would say that God is, although I, I, th- I think he would be okay with, I don't, what, what well, and but, I think but that, he says that God's not the unmoved mover, like I, right. he's the most moved mover. Which is kind of, it's actually, that's a, that's a positive, you know, what, what, for instance, Bart is doing is preserving some of what the Reformed tradition tries to preserve about not mingling, right. but at the same time picks up on the Alexandrian insight uh, and concern that uh that we can say that God suffered on the cross. He just kind of, he's able, he, the innovation I think there is, it's not merely a Christological event. Right, it's a, right. It's a Trinitarian, it's a Trinitarian. event. And the other thing I was thinking of was von Balthasar on Holy Saturday, which is, I mean, if there's some articles and first things, that, 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 this one Catholic theologian, and she just like thinks von Balthasar's the devil on this stuff. I forget her name, but... But he, well, it, sounds I mean, like, he, it sounds like she, her name should be forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but I mean, von Balthasar is is critiquing what he thinks is kind of mythology in the tradition right. and trying to really think about Holy Saturday christologically yeah. and and and, cri- and part of being Christ for us. So instead of Jesus being a superhero and sort of right. letting right. Le, you know, like Zorro, like un, un, unchaining the the doors of right. people in 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 Perga and in, in, in Hades or something, that actually. He's dying the spiritual I like, death. I, I like my Jesus of Zorro. <laughs> I like my Jesus of Zorro. Uh, Zorro. I, by the way, if, if if nobody has seen Zorro the Gay Blade, it's one of the best films. I, I love it. But it's like, it's Mel Brooks level, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, Citizen Kane. <laughs> Zorro the Gay Zorro Blade. Gay Blade yeah. but, I, but I think those things are important. And so I think, and again, you, you know, all, in, in, in culture, theologically thinking, like the the significance of of maintaining infrastructure is huge. And and again, that's not mm-hmm. to be sort of to repristinate or just be merely preserved. I think Schleiermacher is right for any kind of dynamism. You know, the God is the God of the living, not the dead. And so living things evolve organically. And so there always will be change. And right. yet that change 
if it's going to be organic, we'll always continue the past. That we'll, you know, it, it won't be a freakish sort of transmutation kind of thing. It'll be an organic unfolding. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the things that you know we were talking about structuralism, post-structuralism, things like that. Um, I think at some levels, all that empowers the phrase "the word became flesh" even more so, because. The flesh part of it, you know, reminds us that this is a here and now. This is something that has to be done in real time. So we can't pretend our time is not going on. That's, I mean, that's, I think, a lot of stale orthodoxy. It pretends like it's, like the faith has been unchanged. So it pretends like, okay, we're Westminster Catechism and we're just like, we, we haven't changed. Well, of course you have because it's not, you, you know, it's not, uh, I hate them. I what did Charles think. Hodge say? There's not a new thought thought at Princeton Theological Seminary in the 19th century. Like he was just repristinating this kind of. That thing. was true. That was true when it came to the registrar's office. <laughs> and he was ever had to deal with that. But no. But I think this idea that no, you, you you just the very fact the way the words change meaning. Even when you're with the Westminster divines, when they even how they said it, when you say it in the 21st century, it's the words are different. Um, but. Um, this idea of, of the enfleshed, the living word, the mystery of the word, but that the word is is God and word was with us. I mean, I think that the mystery is all, as well as the concrete nature of it. I think that's the power of why Christianity at its best is always being – is reformed and being reformed. Uh, it's, it's incarnating and reincarnating uh, in the best sense of that because, um, you know, God is constantly with us and constantly encountering us. And so – you know, one of the things when, you know, I think people and, – and on a practical level, when people think, okay, you know, uh, we've got to find a new way to do church. I always kind of laugh at that. I, I said, because for me, if you, if you just be the church, then you, then you can kind of navigate. The problem is not that we need new methodologies because we always do. You, you have to constantly change. That's the smoke day. machines. I'm for smoke machines. Oh, my gosh. That's still one of the funniest conversations I've ever had with staff who only worked with me for a while, but – they had a church he came from. They had a smoke machine during communion. I said, well, why? Because it's cool. Incense, man. <laughs> no, he didn't, even, he didn't even make the incense argument. I, he didn't even know enough to It was it. cool, like, with certain kind of 80s rock. Like, I mean, I think it's, it's not contextual anymore. It's it's window for being cool as fast, I think. Yeah. I yeah. think. I hope so. But anyway, but nonetheless, I mean, there's a kind of freedom to do all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you there's, there's freedom of style. There's freedom of form. But... Um, what I what I find is is that you you have to learn you have to learn the tradition you have to learn the infrastructure which holds up everything because if you don't then your your theological bridges collapse like the tragedies that are faced that are going to happen in this country not like that happened the tragedy just happened in Italy yeah you're going to walk before you run God bless Hey listeners, thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.